Good morning, everyone. We're going to call the Richmond City Council Budget Work Session meeting to order this morning. Uh, Council colleagues, uh, our goal will be during this uh, morning session to review the general fund uh, amendments and then um, go to text amendments. And if time this morning session will go into capital improvement, otherwise we'll go through the afternoon. I'd like to propose that we uh, would each take three minutes on any given item uh, for discussion prior to going to uh, a consensus and uh, move forward in that way. We must uh, get to a balanced budget and I believe we can certainly do that uh, in that way. So the first thing I want to say is that the additional revenue for increased assessments uh, will be certified uh, by the mayor, uh, as uh, was uh, requested. I would like to um, move to an additional revenue item, the additional delinquent real estate uh, revenue category, I'd like to ask that we consider suspending the development agreement that would be required for one year, which would then allow us to have the $3 million available in the revenue category. Does everybody have the schedule? It's in the booklet. I'm sorry. Madam President, yes. point of clarification, that would still require the administration to certify the additional That's revenues. correct. And they have agreed to do such? Um, I would ask them to speak to that, but it is my um, sense that they would be inclined to consider that favorably, yes. Okay. I'm sorry, Madam Clerk, I just dove right in. Is that correct? Madam Clerk, would you read the... <laughs> evacuation announcement. Upon activation of the emergency alarm signal, all persons should immediately exit the building. Please use the exit to the left or right front of the council chamber or the east or west stairwell outside the rear doors of the chamber. Do not use elevators or escalators. After exiting the building, proceed to the assembly area located in the parking lot bordered by Clay 8th and 9th Streets. Citizens and employees should assist visually and hearing impaired visitors with exiting the build building. And Madam President, for the record, all members are in attendance with the exception of Councillor Robertson. You do have a quorum. Thank you, Madam Clerk. I apologize for that. Ms. Gray, is there a question? So I'm just curious if we remove the development agreement like we had discussed last week. No, we we asked about certification last week, and they said they weren't able to do that. What's changed? Uh, we did not uh, remove the development agreement last week. We talked about it, and we did not consensus on that. That was first. And so... Um, but I, I believe I asked the question, if we removed it, would they certify? And I think the answer was no. Um, I understand. Um, I um, believe after... Certainly, I inquired, would this be something that would be um, considered uh, if we indeed went back and looked at the opportunity to suspend for one year? 
my, the, and I think Ms. Reed is here, what was indicated is that that would definitely be considered. And so I would ask that they would speak to that. Good morning, Madam President. Good morning, Ms. Uh, Mr. Reed. Mr. Vice President, members of City Council. My name is Lenore Reed. I'm the Deputy Chief Administrative Officer for Finance and Administration. I'm representing this CAO today uh, for this meeting. I believe the question was last week, if we were to have those development agreements, the administration would be able to certify only if the City Attorney's Office was to certify that that number or that amount was accurate. We had an amount in the approved budget last year when we did the 2019-2020 budget. We were told by the city attorney's office with the development agreements we would have less revenue or we could project a less revenue of about $3 million. If those development agreements are off the table, we do have trend analysis as to the sales and the proposed revenue from those cells, and I believe the mayor would be amenable to certifying that amount because it would take us back to the amount that was in the approved budget. Thank you, Ms. Reed. Are there questions for Ms. Reed? Ms. Larson. Um, I don't know if this is a question for Ms. Reed or for my colleagues, but my understanding is that there were all these meetings to come up with the 2.5 with the development agreements and then other meetings to add additional personnel on the attorney side as well as planning side. So all of these things happened, but yet nobody can certify the 2.5. But if we take the development agreements off the table, we'll, we'll check off the $3 million. I support taking the development agreements off the table, but I think that this process is dis disingenuous, and I have a, a problem with the way it's all coming about. And I think Councilwoman Robertson, if she was here, would be extremely upset about the way all this is being presented. Um, and thank you, Ms. Larson. And uh, let me say I had a conversation with Ms. Robertson uh, this morning in reference to this item. And so she was, though still questions and still wanting to at some point look at development agreements, was comfortable with us entertaining suspension for a year. So that's where we are. Yes. Ms. Gray? So in our discussion last week when I suggested we suspend for a year and um, we got strong opposition from Ms. Robertson, uh, <laughs> Bless you. Um, our attorney said that they already were working on agreements and those, that revenue won't show up for another couple of months, so he, that there would be a reduction from what the trend says. Are we counting, accounting for the reduction based on the fact that they are currently negotiating development agreements for this next sale that won't yield as much revenue? Mr. Jackson, if you could speak to that. Um, yes, ma'am. The um, figures that we have provided to finance um, on which they are basing their estimates of additional revenue take into account 
that the May auction, of the May of this year's auction, will have a reduced number of sales, and those sales will be with development agreements. They further take into account that beginning with the sale that will take place in August, uh, those sales will take place without development agreements at a higher number of sales. Thank you. Mr. Uh, Ms. Trammell and then Ms. Addison. Did you say Parker? Ms. Trammell and then Ms. Jackie. Addison. Um, Alan, so if we, um, if we do away with this right now, when can we, because I'm, I'm quite sure you have a lot of properties right now that could be auctioned off. So when would that take place? If so the expectation is that without development agreements, the expectation is that the May sale next month will be somewhere between 40 and 45 properties. The auctions in August, November, and February uh, will be without development agreements, and I expect the number of parcels then will be in the range of 70 to 75 at each auction. And that's where the, the difference in, um, that's where the difference in the receipts is likely to come from. I just wish we, I just wish we would have had more of a discussion before we passed this because to me it doesn't seem like this should never have been passed because you know, we're always hollering we don't have any money, and when we got all these um, properties that could have been sold, and now it's to put your office, I guess, behind with um, trying to get these ready to be sold. I, I'm just asking, is this going to hinder you in being able to do the process quickly? We've, we've considered um, that question and we believe that we can that we can handle uh, the change back to to the old way. Well, we definitely need to change it back, Mr. Addison, and then Mr. Adelasso. <clears throat> Good morning. Thank you, Council President. So, my question would be something I brought up last time in the conversation as we did last week. If we were to get rid of the development agreements if temporarily or permanently. Is there another option in terms of which we could support a building permit required on the action of a sale that we provide that must be done within a 12-month period? And if not, there's a fine or a fee because we are the transactor at that point, and we could require, instead of being a developer's agreement, development agreement, it could just be we must submit building plans to be able to submit that requirement. So it removes it from this transaction puts it post-sale, and then we're just making sure we're enforcing that it's being built on or improved. Is that a possibility? Mr. Jackson, um, do you want to opine in that regard? The only mechanism that the city has to enforce a requirement like that is through the uh, imposition of obligations under a development agreement. Um, and to do that, the city has to step into the chain of title have the development agreement with the uh, with the successful bidder, and then convey the property subject to the development agreement. Uh, 
there are no other methods of, of doing that that are legally enforceable. Understood. Is every contract transaction of a property have its own unique developer's agreement? Yes, uh, except to the extent that for the sales that we conduct uh, this coming May, we anticipate using, because all the properties in that sale will be residential properties uh, that have been reviewed by the zoning office to ensure that they have sufficient building space for their uh, particular uh, zoning classification, uh, we'll use a standard agreement the only differences will be sale price, who's buying it, and that sort of thing. That's what I was getting at was are there ways to use similar language just boilerplated for the expectation of this transaction to include those details? And it sounds like you're depending on the type of zoning or use of property, that's going to be unique for each one by type. Once you get to industrial and commercial properties, the process will become more complicated if development agreements are put in place. Okay. Thank you. Mr. Agilesto. Thank you. Um, <clears throat> I will just simply say I'm going to pick up Ms. Robertson's mantle uh, on this issue. I think it's very um, unfortunate that uh, we pass an ordinance and then we, because of a budget uh, deliberation, not because it's a bad policy, but because there's some disparities between the city administration wanting to guarantee a number and putting it on to the city attorney to guarantee a number. These are auctions. You can't guarantee a number related to what the market is going to do for real estate. That's just known. They can't guarantee a number for most of the budget. It's a forecast. So we, the council, should say, look, it doesn't matter there's not going to be any blame put on anybody for missing blah, 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 or blah, 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 because it's a forecast. Let's just get the revenue, uphold our policy, and know that we're doing the best and that our staff are doing the best that they can. I think the rule of unintended consequences here outweighs any benefit that may come from whatever the dispute is between the administration and the city attorney about what the right number to use might be. And this is my concern. When we adopted the debt for RRHA on 100 new delinquent tax sales a year, it, we said that was above and beyond the baseline. And I believe the baseline number we used was 250. If we're now saying that instead of achieving 350 or 400 delinquent tax sales a year, we're only going to be doing 75 a quarter, well, are we shortchanging the debt service or are we shortchanging the general fund, which we thought would be covered when we approved the debt service for RRHA? Those are the issues and unintended consequences that happen because, frankly, of a disagreement. And I don't think that the council should in, allow for the disagreement to continue. If there's a disagreement, let's figure out how to resolve the disagreement and move forward. But resolving it by undoing council policies and ordinances that, frankly, from my perspective, are badly needed, 
because I see the properties that have gone to tax sale in the 5th District that have had no activity, none. And these people come in, they buy it, and they think that they're going to be able to get a special use permit approved, and then they can't. And what happens? They just sit on these properties that have been blighted for so long and vacant for so long, and now it's just a different owner. And we're going to probably end up in another tax sale, another use of city resources to try to get the property into different hands to resolve the, the issues that are systemic. And our neighbors and our communities don't want to wait for that. That's why the ordinance was approved by the council. And to tell our citizens to continue to live next to blighted houses that continue to have reports about wild animals coming and going, to continue to call the police because of break-ins, to continue to call code enforcement because overgrown grass, do you not understand the impact on every city department by not having these properties with a development agreement? That is what this is about. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Ms. Gray. Thank you, Mr. Jones. Ms. Gray, and then if you would, Mr. Jones. So I just would, um, and I've brought this up before, um, when we're going to our um, legislative luncheon, I think that we need to be, because these auction properties are a small subset of all the blighted property. We have lots of blight in the city. I mean, I just read a story about a vacant property that the VCU Foundation has been holding on to since 2002. Um, not to say it was blighted, but it's vacant. I think what we need to do is seek permission from the General Assembly to be able to charge a differentiated tax on vacant, blighted properties because we're trying to chip at this from many different angles, but most of the properties don't end up in auction. They're held by, they're warehoused by big developers. Um, I have tons of property in my district that is within code compliance. If anything happens, they'll come and nail some more boards on it, and, and there's nothing to be done until they determine that it makes sense financially for them to renovate. So I think that we need to take a broader approach and look at this from tax code perspective. D.C. did it, and it has motivated and gotten a lot of those blighted and or vacant properties occupied and um, producing more revenue for D.C. So I'd like us to think about looking at other ways to to attack this. Ms. Gray, I'll ask our staff to put that on our list as we gear up for our legislative packet as something to take a look at. Mr. Jones? Yes, ma'am. I'm beyond um, budget and really just into praxis. This originally was set for a particular purpose. Uh, in the Ninth District on the South Side, we have so many issues with blighted properties, individuals coming in, sitting on them. Um, and and, and I, I understand our need to balance the budget, but this is not, in my opinion, how to to suspend the policy to balance a budget, in my opinion, isn't the prudent option. And I hope, looking at what's going on on the south side of our city, that we would just not turn it over to investors 
who are not vested in the South Side, vested in the city, and they're fine. I, I, we, we had a property that, that ended up being on the news. Um, raccoons living in, in the attic. Um, and just, I mean, the owner lived in New York. And so there's no way they cared about uh, my constituents that lived right across the street from the house that has not been changed to this date. And we've written notices of violations. Uh, uh, Mark, we, we've done so much to try to get this owner into compliance. And they're not motive. I mean, a couple hundred dollars, okay? They're not motivated into doing it. Or, or what they'll do, um, they'll just put uh, uh, some, uh, not cardboard, but plywood up uh, to patch holes and things of that nature. But the property sits there. And, again, we have community members. That's what they see when they walk out of their house. And that's unfair. And so if there is a policy that would seek to address that or at least bring that to the attention of the investors so it's buyer beware, I don't know if, well, it's not even I don't know. I don't believe that that is the prudent thing to do in order to balance a budget. Thank you, Mr. Jones. Madam President. Yes, the um, I guess here's where I'm, and I voted to have these development agreements. But um, what what concerns me is that if we have these development agreements, then people that are honest about redeveloping the properties, they're still going to buy them. But people that want to hold them are just going to continue, or that are going to hold them aren't going to want the development agreements, and they're not going to buy the properties. So I think I agree with Ms. Gray that we got to attack this in some other way other than these development agreements, which, A, you know, slow up the process, but, B, um, you know, you're just going to knock some potential buyers out. Now, are they – I'm concerned about and have enough vacant properties in my district uh, to where I, I appreciate this, and neighbors don't like – to live next to a vacant property, and it only takes two on a block to make the block uh, behind the eight ball. They're holding down property values, and they're also attracting uh, uh, vermin and all sorts of, of negative things. But it just – so I think we're caught in – betwixt and between and maybe we need to just tee up this program to where we'll know the the actual ramifications of it uh, and study it a little bit more look at what other uh excuse me jurisdictions do and look at our abatement program to see what we can do to entice people to take on a vacant property uh, and get more of a tax abatement than you would Fixing something up in a in a well-to-do neighborhood. I just think there's other tools than this, and and uh, you know I'm I'm I put together my reductions in the budget. Some of them passed, some of them didn't. But you know we're kind of down here to the wire on something that we really can't definitively say. If we keep it where it is, the mayor already put this in his budget. And like I said, let's tee it up for next year. Let's try and get the additional fees for um, for vacant properties. And let's also look at adjusting our abatement program to identify neighborhoods where 
the most blighted properties are. Thank you, Madam President. Thank you. Um, just would like to add, certainly, um, I concur. We have vacant blighted properties, uh, tax delinquent properties across the city footprint. Uh, the uh, development agreements, um, in this instance, we're not asking to remove them. I don't think it's going to be the panacea we expect. I think it will be multi-pronged uh, in the ways that many of you have mentioned already. I think this uh, would allow us the opportunity to uh, address um, certainly this budgetary matter in terms of balancing, but even more importantly, we still get the opportunity to look at strategies to deal with vacant blighted property from the recommendations that have come to us from the assessor to what's been discussed thus far. Um, it also, um, again, is, I think, a critical component to um, balancing the budget in this moment. Uh, it's so with that, I would like to ask uh, for this body's consideration to have the $3 million in delinquent real estate revenue uh, remain as a revenue category and um, do due diligence to take a look at strategies to really substantively deal with vacant, blighted, tax delinquent properties uh, moving forward in addition to uh, development agreements, but certainly in this instance, taking the time to look at that, whether it's legislative, whether it's abatement, whether it's uh, other types of uh, strategies that others have used. So I would like to ask for a uh, consensus to have the $3 million remain in the revenue category. Thank you. And I think staff needed, did you get clarification that that carried? Okay. Then the next item I'd like to ask. Yes. May, may I ask in addition to that vote um, that we maintain the increases to the two departments in the event that uh, we can improve upon uh, the process for getting more of the properties? We have, we have two budget amendments here. One was on the revenue side, and then another on the... I was going there, Mr. Angelesto. Okay, thank you. Yes, okay. And so the accompanying amendment, as Mr. Angelesto is referencing, is, uh, would be the items that appear on line 14 and line 15. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, my voice is going again. But uh, it was 14 city attorney's personnel budget, 15 planning and development personnel budget. That amount is 173,000 for city attorney personnel, 140,000 for planning and development. If we, uh, it is very much the case that we could remove those items given that we're suspending this for one year or as Mr. Agilesto is uh, uh, suggesting I'm believing, I don't want to attribute something that's not accurate, that they remain there. Is that correct? Okay. So remain there and that the, the departments could put effort toward it, but it wouldn't be a mandate by ordinance since there's a sp suspension to the program, but at least more properties than 
none could be put into development agreements. Okay. Ms. Larson? Um, what if we to left those positions in there but split them in half, knowing that they would need some time to fine-tune this plan as we're heading into the year and then bring these people on um, because I doubt that they would hire them on July 1st and these are full-year salaries. So I could get behind something like that and I'd also, if this is the, um, the will of the council, it, I think it would be good for us to put a text amendment next to the suspension for the one year that says suspension of one year, but council would like to see a plan for for this as well as the other programs that you all have mentioned, the legislative stuff on the state level um, and other avenues we can pursue. So uh, that's my... Right. Just based on the discussion... Um, from prior budget work sessions and what was indicated by Mr. Jackson, I would concur it was indicated that there was going to be a ramp-up period necessary for, and Mr. Jackson, please uh, feel free to weigh in, but a ramp-up period before staff would be bought aboard to be able to even, so is that? Yes, ma'am. We, we anticipated uh, somewhere 60 to 90 days just to get through the recruitment process, okay. and then another 60 to 90 days after that to train and incorporate the new personnel into the process. So uh, okay. having uh, a smaller amount of money, we would just defer the hiring of until a little point later than later in the year um, and then move forward. We, we would have to figure out the exact mechanics, but I understand what council's desire is. Thank you, Mr. Jackson. So uh, what I will ask, uh, if there is no further discussion, based on we are not removing the development agreements in terms of the delinquent real estate revenue. We are merely suspending uh, for a one-year period, and there will be a text amendment to that effect. What's on the table, at least for consideration, following Mr. Angelesto and then Ms. Larson's amendment, is that one half of both of the amounts in 14 and 15 would be remaining, which would allow um, some ramp up for looking at opportunity relative to development agreements, uh, protocols, even though we still will look at other strategies. Um, might we have a consensus relative to that item? If that was muddily clear. Madam President, yes. I'm sorry, I just had a question. Yes. Okay, on the on this spreadsheet that I'm looking at here, um, it looks like that there is a zero in that column. That's That was just uh, what was presented as an option, but that was still required this body's decisioning. Okay. So that was not something the body approved. It was just merely an option that was presented. Okay, so this would add those back in. At 50% of 50%. Of okay, each thank of you. Okay. Yes. Might we have consensus relative to retaining 50% of what's in uh, line 14 and 15 for the uh, ramp up of the. One, two, 
Okay. Thank you. All right. So if I read that correctly, then those items, 50% would not remain. Madam Chair, yes, I'm sorry, but I didn't understand your vote. So I yes, saw I'm voting to, because we do not. We are um, removing, the, suspending. Excuse me, not removing, suspending for one year. I was amenable to allowing the removal of those funds during that period and not supportive of half of it. That's Thank correct. You. So that did not carry, and so what we would have there. Uh, would be zero in both instances, and we would have a positive variance of $813,000. Okay. Okay. So um, I will uh, need to um, just uh, depart for a brief time and uh, Mr. Hilbert will take over and I will return. I have an a, uh, overlapping event. But I do want to propose... You can say you're opening up a grocery store. Thank you, Mr. Agilesto. That's very exciting. It is indeed. I do want to propose, though, how those funds might be allocated. And I'd like to propose that we consider uh, the GRTC item... Uh, that we t uh, voted not to include 965000 that we would consider the GRTC um, uh, increase to provide the necessities articulated by the company relative to routes and shelters and rerouting um, across the city. So that would be my proposal. Ms. Gray, and then I saw, I think, Mr. Addison... So just process-wise, um, why are we going revisiting items if we've already been through them um, when we've got really important stuff? We need to adopt a budget so that the clock doesn't run out. I mean, I, I get that it's an important thing. Um, I do have more questions about why the big request and what's happening with fair enforcement and those things, but... We're never going to get to the finish line if we keep going. I understand why we went back to this one, because last week they wouldn't certify it. Now they will. But why are we going back to stuff that we've already deliberated? I am not asking to. Uh, I am asking since we did not. I'm simply putting that forth as a proposal. We did not uh, vote to uh, increased GRTC, we now have a positive variance, and I was simply putting that on the table uh, for consideration. 813000 because of the revenue at $3 million and then the two salary line items. But at $1.29 or $1.20? At one twenty, The rate has been established thus far. So I don't see how we're in a yes, positive... If, if I might, what that column that's labeled $1.20 with revised certifications indicates is that your tax rate remains at $1.20, which council agreed to last week, 
Can, that can you speak into the your administration mic, will certify 6,478,815. We can't hear you over here. Oh. Um, the column that we're working from now includes a base tax rate of $1.20, so that's unchanged. It includes $6.5 million in additional revenues from increased assessments, and the administration's indicated that they're willing to certify that. And then it includes the $3 million for um, remo- or suspension of the development agreements. And then as you start moving through, there's some other things that council needs to decide. But just if you stopped there with the proposals that are in that column, you come to the very bottom, and at the very bottom, you have $813,000 that you can allocate to other things. The reason you've got that is that you now have $3 million, and when this was put together, you only thought the best you would have is $2.5 million, so that's half a million. And then when you don't fund the additional monies for the city attorney, and the planning department, that adds uh, some more money to it, so you get a total of um, $813,000. Now, this column does not propose where council would allocate that $813 million, and council could just not appropriate the $813,000. That's great. Oh, I'm sorry, Mr. Jones, and then Ms. Uh, Larson. If we're not breaking from protocol or if we're able to um, reallocate those funds that have been freed up, I believe it would be prudent to uh, look into extending those uh, those routes on the south side and in the east in the east end. And and I understand that there there are some things that GRTC needs to do. There are some things that need to happen. Uh, from a fair collection standpoint, um, and I agree with the fact that uh, you know we should get answers on that. But I hope that uh, with the fact that there is right now uh, a positive balance of eight hundred and thirteen thousand, that we could apply it to that GRTC line, and then you know if perchance we find a few more hundred thousand, that we can get it to where their ask is. So that's that's all I'm offering. Thank you, Ms. Larson. And then Mr. Addison. Um, I, I do not think we should be talking about the GRTC item right now. I think we need to move through uh, some of these other alternatives that staff have spent a ton of time on and I think are worthy of a robust discussion before we decide that we're we have this additional revenue and we need to spend it right away on something that we already achieved consensus on. I'm willing to circle back at some point, but we have other proposals on the table. Staff spent a lot of time working on these and I'd like to discuss them. Okay. Thank you, Ms. Larson. Mr. Addison. Thank you, Councilman uh, Hilbert. So for me, I was frustrated by the conversation last week um, about the cut for this because it seemed to not really include the proposed spending that was in the item itself. Very legitimate concerns were brought up about fares and enforcement and operations and other funding sources like with VCU, et cetera, and expansion and partnerships. 
Um, but related to the actual items being asked to be in this funding, I was concerned because we didn't really talk about that. We didn't talk about the exact routes being um, added to and, and thinking really important to areas of our city that need that. Uh, supporting the investment at 25th and Nine Mile with all that Jay Sergeant Reynolds is doing with not only the culinary school but also with a market. <laughs> Providing food access for the route that goes specifically to that area is a key need for addressing aspects of operation in our city. And when I we went to the Pulse and we went to other operations, it seemed to get lost in the conversation. Valid complaints, valid things to discuss and um, articulate. I feel like in that item for that funding isn't the best place to do that because what we were saying in those two areas that were for the new routes, that those aren't important. And I believe that those are important and needed expansions, but so is addressing our concerns as well as looking at other ways to expand the bus, buses in our city. One of the first things many of us did on council when we first took office was wrote it together and saw some of the challenges and saw some of the opportunities to do more. And I feel like we're kind of getting in the way of our, ourselves and doing what I think is the best thing, which is finding ways to explore taking care of our priorities, our needs for an efficient bus system that is working very well, that is working efficiently. Is, are there things that may be improved? Absolutely. But what we had in this proposal is four items to fund, I think four or five items to fund, and we said no to those. And it felt like the no's were nothing about what was being proposed, but more about GRTC as a whole. And I feel like that begs the question of maybe we have a need to have a conversation around how that works moving forward because I don't think our access to GRTC and their plans and our concerns has a easy enough access to have that conversation. And so when it comes time to budget be the time we have that conversation, we make these concerns because they're valid. And we, we have heard things in either newspaper articles or from our constituents. And for me to have that be part of the budget conversation was frustrating for me. I understand that we don't want to have this be part of the dialogue, but I believe we do need to address those. But we also need to address what's being asked for us to fund and supporting what I think is access in more parts of our city that's needed and conversation that we've had for years before. And now we're getting a chance to fund that, and we're saying no. And I understand the reasons why, but I don't think they're connected, and I'd rather make sure we address both separate so we can take that into consideration as a whole. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Mr. Agilesto and then Ms. Trammell. Thank you. Um, I think regardless of whatever the the current uh, projected surplus of 813000 is used for, the first thing that we must address, and this is something that Council has not had open discussion about, is uh, in the staff proposal to reduce the cash funding of our capital improvement plan by $7,413,625. That reduction in cash funding but still keeping the CIP projects in the budget requires borrowing. Borrowing comes at a cost. Uh, just having confirmed with Jim Duvall, who handles uh, the city's debt service, um, <clears throat> that is going to have a cost of $111,205 in next fiscal year. That's the borrowing cost for fiscal year 2020. And that amount of debt service is not currently budgeted. So in order to do cash funding, or in order to take the cash funding and to do debt, we have to add back the debt service as a one-for-one one to make sure that that is handled. Okay. We have reduced the debt service by 300 and, I think, 355, uh, 355,000. 
So technically, the debt service should go uh, to a reduction of about two hundred and forty-four thousand in order to cover the debt service that is needed for the borrowing of the the seven million dollars in projects. Now, if the seven million dollars in projects are not monies that are going to be spent next year, then you don't have to allocate any debt service. But then you have to ask the question: Is you know why do we keep things in the budget if? They're not going to be executed on, particularly if you're talking cash funding. Okay. Uh, Mr. Agilesto, just one second. We don't have a budget in front of us for next year, but what was the number you said the debt service was going to be increased by 112000 no, We do. The, the budget that we're debating now is next year's budget. The, well, right. I'm sorry here. I was thinking about fiscal 21. Yeah, fiscal 20. So – for the the budget that we're debating, that number is one hundred and eleven thousand two hundred five per year for the next no, thirty. No, that's years. for next year. Okay. Then for the next twenty years, it's roughly five hundred thousand dollars each year. So it'll be a total of about uh, ten point one million dollars that costs the city. So we're paying okay. debt service about two point six million dollars in debt service over twenty years. Okay, yes. Uh Ms. Trammell, before uh I call on you, uh Mr. Eichelberger had some information directly to or that directly addresses Mr. Agilasto's uh concerns. The way um this is really the point of a point of clarification. The way the staff proposal is put together, it takes the cash funding out of capital so that you could use that cash on the general fund operating side of the ledger. But at the same time, it proposes to reduce a number of uh, capital projects that had been proposed to be funded by debt to offset that. So there's no additional debt financing that's being proposed. Understood. So really then what is here is a proposed reduction of the CIP by $7.4 million. Yes. Okay, and the council has not debated the CIP, and so we're trying to say, oh, let's spend $800,000 when we have a $7.4 million reduction of CIP that we haven't yet even debated. Okay. So that, to me, is a bit uh, in the wrong process. I think if we're going to use that number, we need to start talking CIP. Thank Thank you. you. Uh, Ms. Trammell? Okay, all right, you're passing your time to uh, Ms. Gray. Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. I just want to say that um, I don't appreciate what was on the news the other day about about um, GRTC, about certain council members trying to cut the funding and all that. When I was in church yesterday, I was approached by some people that were very upset about us cutting the funding and, you know, about using um, people of color. You know, people of color, they pay taxes – with utilities, with um, their their homes, whatever. And when I asked them, I said, well, what are we supposed to cut? What do we not, you know, do you want us to go ahead and raise the real estate tax? Maybe $1.20, $1.25, They said, no. And the next thing you know, it's a big discussion. No, we don't want you to do that. Do you want us to raise the utilities? No, we pay enough now. We're paying way too much. I said, cigarette tax? They said, no, because, you know, we don't want Philip Morris to pull out of here or, or lay people off or our retirement. Some of our family members have retirement from there. We're, we're afraid it might affect that. I said, then tell me what am I supposed to do? 
she said, the schools are not handling the money right. And we don't think that the mayor and administration and you, you all are being overseeing our money correctly. And I said, then still tell me, what are we supposed to do? I said, we thought about, you know, going, you know, cutting 1%, 1.5% across the board. With They said, well, that's where you need to start. Because we think that we're sick and tired of hearing in the paper how much money people make and that we're thinking that people are hiring their family members, their friends, and all of that to be in these different positions making over a hundred and some thousand dollars. And then you could have hired two or three people in utilities or public works or whatever instead of all these. It's too much. It's too heavy at the top from the police department to the fire department. And also someone said last night to me that called me and wouldn't give me their name, but said, do you know how much waste is in every department? How much they throw away different items from different departments, and I said, I don't, I don't know who, who keeps track of that because city council doesn't. Do you know how many time, how many pothole machines are you seeing out on the street recently? Where are they all at? Are they all broken down again? Because every year they either use an excuse that it's been raining, they haven't been able to do this or that. Where are all those employees when it's raining? What are they doing? Where are they? But I'll tell you right now, I don't appreciate because I care about everybody, everybody. And I know that people need to get back and forth to work. But when Kim sits there for 30 minutes and talks about the, the people riding free on the bus, I even asked the lady in church, do you ride the bus for free? She said, no. I have to walk because they moved my bus stop. I have to walk further to get on the bus. But no, I don't ride for free. And then I said, well, when was the last time GRTC increased the fares? Well, we can't pay what we're paying now, $1.50. You know, there's a lot of things that, that's, you know, and I know, our, I know we're upset about this because every year we get upset over the budget. But it's not right to try to single out certain members that we, because we don't vote for something or we disagree, that we're not for all the people. We're for all the people. And like I said, you have to take in, in consideration, you know, we sit there and say our seniors, we worry about our seniors not being able to live in their homes and not being able to pay the utilities because every week I get somebody calling me that have gotten their water cut off, almost gotten a, or, or, or in a, they get a disconnection notice. So I don't. I don't want to sit here all day long and be talking about the same things and go all the way back like we do every year. Let's go back and revisit this. Let's go back and revisit that. Let's put it all out on the table and don't get on the news and say certain council members are, are, are not for, for people of color because I'm for all people of color. Thank you, Ms. Trammell. Ms. Gray? So process-wise, we are, we are up against a timeline and, you know, when I tried to introduce stuff, everyone came back to process. This is what, so to say that, hey, let's revisit these things that we've already gone through. Let's get to the end and whatever's left, we go back and look at what didn't get funded and prioritize it that way. I don't think it's a fair process that brings up an item that, a particular person wanted to fund that didn't get funded by the majority 
to say, hey, we're going to have a, a, an elongated conversation about it. We are, we are up against a timeline here, and we need to move forward, get to the bottom line, find out how much revenue we have. I'd like to know, you know, I'd like to be able to make sure those route expansions happen. Um, but we can't keep being held hostage by GRTC. They get $15 million. They're paying a contractor, and I've heard they've extended that contract for another year. More money, $400,000, but not one citation has been issued. Why are we paying for that? That's half of the route expansion, close to half of it. So, you know, everything we do is more nuanced, and I am getting tired of the tweets and the attacks and the race baiting because I care about the 85-year-old woman of color who's trying to stay in her home in my district, whose husband died, and she can't afford to pay her taxes. So, I mean, there, there's all sides to this, and everything that we fund has to be paid for somehow. And we keep going back to our residents and saying we need more, more, more. But there are so many people at a breaking point. I got a call from a gentleman in your district. His house is falling in. He doesn't have the money to fix it. And he said with this tax increase, he will be forced to sell. He's been in his home for generations. And it's sad. So it's not, we're not saying $1.29 for all white affluent people in the city. So it's a ridiculous argument to say that we're against people of color when we don't fund something. Everyone has to pay, and everyone pays equally. That's where the equity comes in. Thank you, Ms. Gray. Um, are we, and I appreciate here, let me go back here to, to this item. And I, I would, let me just state, and I was one of the persons that voted to cut this. I received a tremendous amount of negative feedback on this via email and uh, <coughs> on uh, this cut, I think the slash here was how the Times-Dispatch referred to it. Uh, but if we could, I'm, I'm fine with getting through this and then coming back to that item, but I'm telling you, if we've got a surplus somewhere, I'm going to vote to put this money back in that area. But let's, let's stick to... Mr. Vice uh, President... I'm sorry, go ahead. I understand what you're saying, but you know, I mean, I, I too want to find the money if we can after we go through everything. But I don't want the Times-Dispatch or the Free Press made to put in there that all of us are not concerned about transportation for the, for the poorest of the poor. But when Kim says, you know, $400,000, and, and we're, you know, GRTC should have explained that. They, you know, that was not fully explained. I don't even think it was even on the news or, or, or the people even know about that. I know people, like some of them did not know that people riding a bus and not paying. And I saw it on the news yesterday. Mm -hmm. Everybody should be paying to get on the bus. Just like if you catch a, a cab or whatever, you have to pay. Nobody should be able to get on anything for free unless, you, unless you're a senior or you have something that says that you can ride it for free. Well, I'm so, going to have to get... Uh, more knowledge on this. It does seem to be patently unfair. And when I, um, when I rode the bus in Atlanta back in the Stone Ages, uh, we put 
you went in the front door and you could exit the le- uh, the back door, but you had to put your card in in order to to get on the bus. So I'm or not put your change in sure there. what the what the uh, the issue was uh, or is with this. But uh, so could we uh, we could look at? I mean the the uh, the big we've got member consensus achieved on these reductions and additions uh, from line 10 to line uh, 18 with the exception of the, uh, well, the attachment, the reduced, is it reduced vacancy funding? Does everybody have that paper in front of you? Uh, Mr. President? Yes. Um, That's in everybody's package. Um, It's Got kind of blue headers, and it says vacancy uh, funding uh, comparison. Um, if if I might suggest that three items be grouped together. Okay. There's the across-the-board reduction, which was discussed last week but not resolved. There is the cash funding from CIP, and then there's the vacancy funding because they they sort of all go together as the major components to balancing the general fund budget. Okay. Mr. President, just, just, yes. just go understanding, ahead. are we saying, I don't know if we got to any conclusion or resolution on what we're going to do, if we're going to revisit this at the end or not. I'm just trying to keep score at home here. Well, I think I heard, and maybe we could have a general consensus on this. Do we want to address this GRTC Item now. How about that? A uh, uh, an increase or uh, dropping the the uh, the, the nine hundred sixty five thousand dollars from the agenda at this point, but coming back to it. So, is there a consensus to address it now? I guess that was been the question that I could have asked. Yes. And and, and again, I, I'm 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 fine with my colleagues because I'm a process person as well. Stick to the process. But what I would like is that we would address this at the end, uh, okay. and if we could get consensus on that. Yes. So I would, I completely concur with what you said. We don't have eight hundred and. 10,000, 30,000, whatever the number is here, uh, 813 to the good until we agree to these reductions. But I would like, do we have a consensus that this will be the first item that we come back to if, you know, the heavens and the stars are aligned that we actually have a surplus? Could this be the, the item that we come back to? to discuss it, adding it back into the budget. Council President, I'd be delighted to do that, but um, as I mentioned earlier, there's a $7.4 million reduction that this body has not yet deliberated. Right. That I think it's imperative to deliberate before you allocate $813,000. I agree. Which really is only 10% of a proposal that we haven't even debated. So I, I would encourage us to move forward on the debate of the CIP cash funding reduction and the reduction of CIP, and we can always come back to the GRTC discussion. Okay. That's a, that's a big bite to swallow here. Do we want to attack that first versus looking at, here, hear me out, 
versus looking at the vacancy funding and the uh, the across the board uh, reductions. I believe those were the two items where we didn't have consensus. Is that is that right, uh, Mr. Eichelberger? Um, that, that that's correctly? correct. And the vacancy funding comparison and the across the board uh, reduction comparisons are in your folder. And if I could just take a moment to explain the rationale as staff were going through this. During the discussion last week on the across the board reduction, and the initial proposal was one and a half percent, but council decided at that juncture to exempt a number of departments. And when those departments are exempted, the required reduction to get to the 7.5 million was 4%. And there's some departments with substantial reductions at that point. Just as one example, uh, the parks department would be, I believe it was 722,000, almost 723,000. So in lieu of pursuing the across the board reductions with those exemptions, um, staff took a look at the capital and the um, vacancy. Uh, the capital reduction is fairly complex. The vacancy reduction is taking a little over two million out of the fifteen, million, the seventeen million total for vacancy, and that that leaves uh, fifteen million in total for vacancies. Okay. So, let's see. The uh, the vacancy uh, funding comparison proposed reductions of the two million uh, one hundred nine that is uh, something that we had uh, discussed and I I thought that we had come to a consensus on it but now getting this information uh, for this reduction is everyone does anyone want to comment on this vacancy reduction of the two point uh, 109, 943. If you want to comment on that one? Yes, sir. And I, I just want to make sure that we're clear that I'm understanding uh, what we're about to discuss. So the one, one and a half percent increase is actually going to be higher than that for the agencies that are proposed here. Yes. What, what I've got someone shaking their head and y'all saying yes and well, what we agreed to, and I don't see this line item on this, but and on this, um, let's see. I thought that the across the line board reduction here, line eight, okay, but it's not over here to the right. Current position without certification. I, that's the column I've been focusing on. Maybe it was the wrong one to be focusing Co on. Correct. Um, again, for clarification. Um, Last week, the discussion was about a reduction of $7.5 million right. in across the board, but that was based on an across the board of 1.5% for all departments. Yes, sir. Council discussed that they would prefer to exempt a number of departments, for example, the police department. Right. When that ex those exemptions are put in place, the reductions that are required to reach the $7.5 million come to 4%, which are rather high for some of the departments. And because of that, staff did not pursue that avenue of reduction, but instead tried to find a way to take the money out of uh, capital and then this uh, much smaller reduction in, in vacancy funding. Okay. But if we did have 
excluding the other departments, we did come up with about 2.9. Was that right? I think that if, and I understand what staff was trying to do because that's what we passed was even though we want to exempt some of these departments, it was going to require a bigger reduction. So that item uh, was left out of the right column. So are you saying that we're not we're not funding any of the, uh, or there isn't a reduction of 7.509 in our revised, on the right-hand column, the $1.20 with revised certification? Mr. President, the staff proposal does not include an across-the-board reduction. Okay. Because of the nature of the discussion that it was indiscriminate, you didn't have a chance to evaluate the impacts. Okay. But some would be rather large. So the staff did not bring that forward into their proposal that's before you this morning. Okay. That does not preclude council from going ahead and saying, yes, but we would like to do uh, a smaller reduction to those departments that are not exempted. Okay. So, uh, so this is not on the table as we speak right now, but if we... Um, can somebody get me the number of if we did a 1% across the board, excluding the departments that were on here, wasn't that $2.9 million? No, Mr. Chairman, uh, that's $1,877,488. Okay. per All percentage right. point. Well, let's but, come back to that one then here. And Vice, Vice yes. President Hilbert. I'm sorry. Over yes. here. I'm sorry, Ms. Uh, Larson. Yes. So... So my understanding of what, I, and I don't, I don't really know what order we're talking about this in, but Megan sent out this proposal on Thursday, yes. and so it staff is it tried to put something on the table that has less departmental impact. So they're doing vacancy funding at the tune of two point one million, yes. right? Right. And that's this sheet. Yes. And it's the third column up on the the screen here. And so that would back out the one and a half across the board reduction, but it would add back in vacancy funding at 2.1, and it would also reduce some of the CIP funding to newly funded projects, if, um, if I remember correctly from what I read. Um, so if we're going to discuss this option, which I personally think is a viable option and, and worth discussion, then I would think we kind of need to go through it like that. Okay. That makes sense. I just, we were looking at these as a as one, two, and three, but that sounds like the easiest way uh, to begin would be uh, this vacancy funding comparison. Uh, if we're okay with the 2.109943 uh, reduction, and this details the reduction. So, uh, any discussion on this item for increasing the uh, the vac decreasing the vacancy funding, Ms. Gray? I think given the timeline and the circumstances that we've 
been placed in that that's a viable plan moving forward to balance this budget. Okay. All right. Uh, any further discussion? Okay, do we have a consensus on... Uh, oh, Mr. President, yes, so, I'm and sorry, again, I'm ahead. just trying to make sure that we understand what's going on here. So, with the vacancy funding comparison, right, what we're saying is you, you want consensus on whether or not we agree with the proposed reductions, correct? Yes, sir, on and, this, this one here. And, and I guess my question is, what's the impact? What's the impact to the organization when you do this? If it's... If it's Catastrophic for some, I'd like to know that. If it's negligible to others, I believe we need to know that. Regardless of what we do, we can still choose to remove vacancy funding, but to not know the impact, um, because what I don't want to hear is, you know, halfway into the budget that the reason why services or expectations aren't met, it's because we cut vacancy funding and then it's put on council that we cut vacancy funding. And so I, I would just like to understand, um, you know, what is, what, what, what's the real impact? I think that we did get a paper from the administration about increase in vacancy funding, maybe, or a, a decrease in it, um, uh, in our various impact statements, uh, I believe if I'm recalling correctly. Um, so let's see, are we going to pass that out? Is that, Mr. Eichelberger, is that what's being passed out? Um, yeah, yes, sir. What's being passed out now is the handout from, I believe, last Hold, hold on, Bill. Hold on, hold on. I, just, just one question. Have the amounts changed versus when the impact statement was handed out or originally done? Yes, sir. The amounts are less. The amounts the are less. reductions in the staff proposal are less than what was uh, analyzed in the handout you just received. That was three million, wasn't it? Uh, yes, I believe it was more like oh. three million. Okay, so this originally was Mr. Addison's uh, uh, amendment for three million uh, reduction, as I recall. President, uh, if you go to page eight of the handout. Yes. It was originally three million five hundred thousand. Okay, there we go. All right, so now we're looking at only reducing it by two point one million. So the impact is less uh, than it was. Uh, let's see. For instance, we could start out with uh, planning and development. Let's see. The reduction is now one hundred five. It was originally. Uh, proposed at 114, so I guess that one's actually higher uh, under this proposal. Was there, um, oh, and Mr. what President. did you do here relative to the 3 million five here? You, what happened with that? I mean, how did you get to the 2.1 million versus the 35 that we had, Mr. President? The first, the first step that was taken is there a number. There are a number of departments where council had decided to add monies, for example, the general registrar. And okay. so in the cases where council was attempting to increase the budget in order to address a specific issue, uh, the decision was made not to propose uh, additional reductions to the vacancy funding for those. So if you look down, you'll see the general registrar um, has no proposed reduction in uh, vacancy funding. 
Um, okay. The others are simply a, a reduction against what was proposed that is a small fraction or smaller fraction of um, what the FY20 proposed amount would be. I haven't worked out a, a percentage that each one of these might be. But, for example, if you look um, for the city clerk, their vacancy funding was 193000 and the proposed is uh, 18.5, so less than 10% on the vacancy reduction. And this has to be viewed in the context of the impact that the across the board would have. So this is sort of an either-or kind of situation where you can do the across the boards, in which case some departments are hit very heavily, or you can have as part of your component the much more modest reductions that are to the vacancy funding. It still leaves the departments with more vacancy funding than in the current fiscal year where there was $11 million in vacancy funding provided, and with this proposal there would still be $15 million. Okay. All right, Mr. Jones, did that answer your question? Yes and no. Okay. I understand it in practice, but again, what's 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 the day-to-day impact? I received an email um, from um, from staff from Parks and Recs on the impact of particular cuts to to their budget and how it's going to impact some of the things, some of the projects that we're trying to get done in district as it relates to uh, really looking at the operation of Rod Rock uh, Sports Complex on the south side. Um, there are things that we're doing in there to ensure that uh, the park remains clean, make sure that the park remains safe, uh, mm-hmm. to ensure that it remains family friendly, and the concern is is whether or not some of the measures that we put in place this year uh, in, in in FY19 will actually be able to go forth in FY20 uh, and ongoing. And so, when I talk about the impact, I, I understand the nuts and bolts of it. I understand it in practice. I understand uh, uh, the dollars, but what I what what I need to understand is how is this going to impact the day-to-day goings-on in uh, in our district, and that's not just with this right here, but vacancy with um, the one and a half or four percent, whatever it ends up being, uh, in particular areas. And so again, uh, it's easy to sit back and say, "Okay, across the board, great, I get that piece," but again, how is it going to impact um, particular projects that are going on? I'm not trying to belabor the point. I'm just trying to have a clear understanding so that when something drops uh, and the easy thing to do will be to say, well, it's because of vacancy funding. It's because of uh, uh, the one and a half or four percent reduction. I'm just trying to understand so that as we move forward in the months to come uh, that I know what I can expect um, from administration, from uh, city services, and then what to share with uh, the constituents of the ninth. Okay, and I 
I hear what you're saying, particularly with Parks and Rec. Um, but last year they had 596,000 uh, in vacancy reductions. This year they're requesting 746,000. So all we're asking is is a reduction of 46,000 from the 150 more that was that was asked for. So they really you know, to the good, um, you know, they're about, let's say, 607. They're, they're getting 100,000 more than they got last year in vacancy funding. But um, so this, they're actually better off than they were last year on the vacancy funding. And I get all of that. Okay. I, I, I understand all of that. But, again, with each piece, what's, what's, what's the impact going to be? If it's going to stay where it is if they're not going to be able to. And again, I'm just looking at both of these in, in, in tandem. Just when we make okay. these, what's the impact? And so um, that's all. Okay. Thank you. Um, yes, Ms. Trammell. Yeah, Mr. President, when something drops, evidently the council person is not looked out on the streets because a whole lot of stuff is dropped. Our streets are caving in, our sidewalks are cracking, and, you know, what the hell are our employees doing? Last year we gave $250,000 to code enforcement. You know, did they hire anybody else? You know, what's going on with that? I don't know, and I'm sick and tired. Every time I report something, it's not getting done. And who's coming after me? The business people. And then when I tell somebody that makes $100,000 in here, well, I think it goes to so-and-so department. I think it goes, you are supposed, you should be handling it. When somebody calls me about something in, a, in another district, I don't just hang up on a person. I tell them, I say, hold on, let me find that council person's number. Unless it's a council person, I don't give out the number. I'll give them Lisa's number or, or Candace's number for them to call the clerk's office to get in touch with that council person. So, I, like I said, and people are saying that, you know, maybe we need to consolidate some of these departments. Maybe code enforcement needs and, and planning and this and that. I don't know who's doing what anymore. I don't think any of us do. And when you give another a department $250,000 and they say, we're in the process of hiring, but we can't, we can't bring them in here. Well, hell, we done told people you ain't got to live in the city no more. How many millions of dollars did that take away from the city? I still didn't get, get that answer. Still don't have that answer. And, and some of you looking at me, and y'all know what I'm talking about. I will tell you right now, it's the property on Jefferson Davis where they're running illegal car lots. People cooking everywhere, all over the place. I think I'm going to get me a little cooker and put it out there and start selling some food because I don't need no permits. I don't need nothing. I can just do it because that's everywhere I look, um, Saturday. People cook, cook, cook everywhere. Nothing getting done. And we talking about we need more money. How come the enforcement's not out there? Where is it? And then somebody said, if we get sick, who do we sue? I said, guess you sue the city because we're not doing nothing about it. I remember back in the day, you didn't dare have somebody out there cooking food unless it was at an event or something. Then they had to have permits. How many people out here by City Hall, don't they have permits when they sell food out there? Well, how come these other convenience stores and all that, they don't have to have it? And, and I have a council person right over there that's talked about it for two years, and it's gotten worse. Thank you. Um, Okay, are we ready to look at a consensus on this item or Ms. Gray? Uh, okay, so we're looking at, uh, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six. Uh, let's see, is Ms. 
Miss Larson here, is she in the chamber? There we go. Uh, could we have a consensus on this $2.19 million uh, reduction? Uh, and I, if you've got anything to add, uh, does anybody have any final comments? Okay, then we're looking for this uh, consensus on the 2.19, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. Okay, we've got a consensus on that one. So we can check that off the big list. Uh, let's see, the next one, let's see. We've already got consensus on the, uh, the $3 million reduction in the voluntary retirement package. Let's see, the vacancy funding here we've just taken care of. On all other items, it looks like, let me ask here about number 17, because I may not be recalling this correctly, but I thought that um, we agreed to retain the eviction diversion program, but to fund it through the city as opposed to home. Was that, was that what was, anybody want to help me on that one? Mr. President, the, yes. that reduction line is accompanied by a positive line directly below it. Ah, I'm that sorry. That would take the eviction diversion program and put it in non-departmental as a, as a grant program. As a grant program to whoever wants to run the program, or do we have competitive bid for, for that? And I'm sorry, I see that right there. Do we? President. Yes, here, just, just one second. Let me let me ask if Mr. Eichelberger can answer that question. If not, then I'll come right to you. The discussion last week was to put it in non-departmental as the eviction diversion program without naming any particular organization that would be the recipient of the funds. Okay. All right. So. Oh, and I'm reminded there is a text amendment that you will get to a okay. bit later. All right. Great. So it looks like. We've achieved consensus on all of these items, uh, throwing out the the, uh, the across-the-board reductions, including this vacancy and including uh, reducing the vacancy funding um, and reducing the – I'm sorry, Ms. Larson. Um, Vice President Hilbert, I think we still need to go through the CIP reduction – Right, that if, was the if big If we're going to basically swap that out for the 1.5 across the board. Okay. Right? Yes, that's okay. where we are. But I was, I was saving the most fun for last. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we're welcoming back Madam President. Uh, I hope you had a very delightful event. It was wonderful, end. Mr. Uh, Vice President. Thank you. Thank you okay. for asking. That's that's yes. a great uh, thing for the East End and for this new grocery store, the market at 25th Street. And uh, we're just really happy for you and happy for the, the people in the East End and all over the city. Well, thank you. That saved me the announcement. And uh, <laughs> while I was thanking the Markells, I told them this was the first market at 25th and the next one at Fulton, and the next one on the north side, and the next one on the south side. So we'd have markets across the city to mitigate food deserts. Now, of course, he looked a little scant, but we started with the first one first. <laughs> so with that, 
Oh, um, Ms. Gray, me, I think I saw your hand up. Well, let me bring you back oh, here as okay. to where we are. What we decided to do was to come back to GRTC as the first item that we would address and possibly add anything back to the budget. We're 813 to the good, but that's based on 7413000 a reduction in cash for CIP. So we have that list now. I guess the consensus was let's go through all the reductions, and then if we still are at 813 to the good, then we can look to allocate that. But we have just agreed to the, uh, to the reduced vacancy funding on uh, this, this sheet here uh, of the two million one uh, one oh nine. So uh, that's where we are. We're tackling the big one now, the reduced uh, cash funding for CIP of seven million four hundred and thirteen thousand, which is delineated in this uh, this spreadsheet that staff put together for us. And let me final thing, I really want to say a huge thank you to our staff. You all have have done an excellent job in trying to help us make these difficult decisions. Madam President. Uh, thank you, Mr. Vice President. And Ms. Gray, did you have a question before we proceeded? No, I was, I thought we were moving on to capital, are we? Is that where we are? So um, Ms. Larson was provided a spreadsheet with school capital expenditures to date. Okay. For the current fiscal year. Okay, email. that's a question for Ms. Larson. Um, no, well, oh. on that on that spreadsheet, it showed seven and a half million in expenditures for modular classroom rentals, and I did not believe that um, is an allowable capital expenditure. So I wanted to get clarification from our budget director on whether or not that rental. Um, at Broad Rock and other school locations can be counted as capital expenditures. Ms. Gray, uh, could we just p uh, put a pin in that just one second? Uh, Ms. Robertson wanted to be able to join once we got to CIP, okay. and I'll need to uh, have us do a motion. So uh, pursuant to Rule 3D4B of Council's Rules of Procedure, Councilwoman Robertson has made a request to participate in this budget work session by phone from Salt Lake City, Utah, where she is participating in the 2019 intercity visit. The Okay, you want to hook her? Okay, you want to? Okay, so. Okay. Okay, so obviously I'm ready to go much sooner than I've went through the announcements too quickly this morning, and so we're going to first uh, reach out to see if we can get a hold of Ms. Robertson, and then we'll proceed with the uh, necessary uh, action on the part of council uh, once that's done. So as to make good use of our time, 
Um, we could start with uh, a couple of the text amendments. We won't get through all of them. They pertain to the general fund uh, that we've just approved. Uh, if you would uh, like that. Does everybody have them, Bill? Um, Madam President, the text amendments are in the packages that were handed out this morning. You see them here. Um, most of them are text amendments to the budget. There are a couple that have been requested that would be uh, most likely put in the form of an ordinance or a resolution. And um, they start on page one. Well, of course, they start on page one and go through page five. Um, the text amendments start on page two. Okay, so do, um, do you want to start with the first one? We're not going to, I mean, as soon as we discern whether or not Ms. Robertson is available, we'll go back to CIP. But do you want to go on and start with that first item, if you would uh, review that? Um, certainly, Madam President. The first item is from Mr. Addison, and um, it would have council rank in priority order the five components of the dreams for RPS uh, program strategic plan. Page two of five, the very first two, item. I'm sorry, I thought we were beginning on page one. Apologies. I don't know why it doesn't. It also matches number four. Say again, Ms. Addison, I did too. That also matches number four. There, there is a number four. There, there are really two that deal with uh, dreams for RPS. Number four, which begins on line 39, simply takes that money that council agreed to put as a category, uh, a contingency appropriation under RPS, and it says that 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 is a contingency, and the monies will be expended um, as council receives the information on those. The one that goes with it is, in order to get ready for that, council would set priorities on the components of dreams for RPS. Okay, so we need to take it. This one and four, you can do together. Okay, so the very first item um, for us to um, look at. I'm fine withdrawing that. That which, was part of a conversation from like a month ago. Thank you. The very first one. Yes. Okay, so then the item that we would take action on would be number four. Um, this is, uh, as you see it there, number four. Any questions, comments relative to this item? Okay. Um, so might we... Is there clarity, clarity on this item? This will be a resource account to be used for implementation of the Dreams for RPS pro Program Strategic Plan. Council President, yes, I just want to make one thing clear: the the strategic plan includes includes raises for uh, teachers, and that money council has basically already, already allotted right. into uh, the budget and would not require. Uh, this process to implement. I think there was some misinformation. People thought that the schools to fully fund them needed, you know, the 17 million, 
and we're putting 11.7 here and somehow that got uh, disconnected in the discussion and I just wanted to reinforce that um, the funding request that Richmond Public Schools has submitted has been fully funded with a portion of the Dreams for RPS going into this um, category. Thank you. Thank you for that clarification. Um, and I think we are certainly all clear with that. The salaries, uh, we are holding schools harmless, essentially, except this 11 is being placed in this, um, this um, contingency category. And... Um, that's it. Ms. Gray? Um, that's with the expectation that we start to see some positive results, and um, we can't keep throwing money at a issue and not seeing anything progress. So um, I, have, I have, as a parent, again, issue with um, what I'm seeing go on in RPS. Mm -hmm and the changes, and I know that there's going to be a huge teacher shortage at the beginning of this year. They're already down several hundred, and um, I hope that we can pull together and figure this thing out because we have a lot riding on it. Thank you. I, um, Madam Clark, we do... So let me do this, if you would indulge me. We do have Councilwoman Robertson on the line. Let me go on and get her queued in, and then we'll go to uh, getting consensus on this item. I see Mr. Cameron standing, so if you will allow us that moment, uh, we'll do that. So pursuant to Rule 3D4B of Council's Rules of Procedure, Councilwoman Robertson has made a request to participate in this budget work session by phone from Salt Lake City, Utah, where she is participating in the 2019 inner city visit. The council members present must adopt a motion to approve Councilwoman Robertson's participation in this meeting by electronic communication means if it appears to us that her request complies with Rule 3D of Council's Rules of Procedure. At this time, pursuant to Rule 3D-4D of Council's Rules of Procedure, I will solicit a motion from those council members physically assembled here concerning Ms. Robertson's participation in this meeting by electronic communication means. Do I have a motion? So moved. Second. Second. Madam Clerk, do we need to call the question? Yes. You're now voting on Ms. Larson's motion to accept Ms. Robertson for electronic participation. Mr. Jones? Aye. Ms. Larson? Aye. Mr. Adelasto? Aye. Ms. Trammell? Aye. Mr. Addison? Aye. Vice President Hilbert? Aye. And President Newbill. Aye. And I see Ms. Gray. That motion has passed. Thank you, Madam Clark. So before us, we're looking for a consensus relative to item number four, page two of five. Mr. Cameras, I see you have a comment. I don't think we necessarily have a question, but please feel free to join us. Thank you, Madam President. Um, I first just wanted to express gratitude for the council's action last week um, in terms of the funding for Richmond Public Schools. I just had a clarifying question on this uh, text amendment. It reads, expenditures from this contingency category appropriation shall not be made until such time as action items set out in the strategic plan are implemented. The funds are necessary for implementation, so I'm not quite clear on how we would be able to implement prior to accessing those funds. 
Um, okay. Madam President, if I can address that. Yes. The, the way these amendments are drafted, they are the council member or, in some cases, council requesting that the city attorney draft an amendment. So the actual final wording of the amendment to the budget will probably differ from this to make one that is workable. This is trying to get for the city attorney the gist of what council wants to do. And they will actually see the final text amendment for the first time next Monday. Uh, hopefully we can get them sooner than that. So we'll see Thanks. it. They'll vote on it next Monday. So um, we, can, we can address your concern in the wording because we'll work with the city attorney on that to make sure it works. Thank you. Let me say it is not the intent to hamstring you in terms of implementation of the strategic plan. We're clear that you will need resourcing in order to get that underway. And so whatever that um, uh, strategy for um, payment is that makes it work so you can implement it is what we would be interested in. I think it's fair to say. Thank you, Madam President. Thank you. Madam uh, President, Mr. perhaps a simple uh, verbiage change uh, to that sentence would say in the strategic plan are to be implemented? Mr. Jackson, did you get that? We, we have to, when we actually draft this, we'll have to walk that line uh, between directing how um, RPS spends the money uh, and expressing council's intent, um, and, and we'll draw the line ultimately uh, in order to move money from one category to another, schools will have to return uh, first to the mayor to recommend an amendment and then to the council. Uh, but we'll, we'll work the wording through so that council's desire in, in substance to control the release of the money uh, will be met. And and work it through such that schools will not be hampered in terms of the implementation of the, okay, thank except, you. Except to the extent that they have to come back. I hear you. Uh, With that, President, yes. I apologize. Uh, I'm, uh, I'd like to see the administration here, I mean, the mayor could veto this text amendment, but I'd like to see some form from the administration that they will indeed submit these uh, uh, amendments as proposed. Is there, can someone from the administration here before everybody assembled and those that are listening uh, commit that they will submit those items as a budget amendment as requested by uh, the Richmond School Board? Anybody willing to step forward and say that you'll do that? Ms. Reed is coming I'm forward. getting some perplexed looks here, but maybe Ms. Reed will uh, be able to enlighten us. Good morning. Uh, Lenore Reed, um, DCAO Finance and Administration. Again, representing the CAO, uh, we, the administration does not have any objections to the proposed text amendments at this time. Um, I would like to see that council will work with um, the city attorney's office to get the wording correct uh, for the school's amendment so that we'll not hinder them in performing um, or initiating uh, the dreams for RPS. Okay. Thank you. 
Thank you, Madam President. Thank you. And we have uh, Councilwoman, oh, uh, Ms. Gray, if you would indulge me, Councilwoman Robertson, to see if she has any comment, then I'll come back to you. Ms. Robertson. Ms. Gray, um, while we're trying to get the council. No. Um, with, with all the discussion of transparency and truth in the school budget, I'd like to, um, for us to know moving forward what the additional request will be for the next several years um, with this Dreams for RPS plan. I'd like to know what the intent on the part of the school administration is, if they expect to come to us for that additional funding or if they expect um, some private foundation to fund this plan because um, I don't want us to be battling it out every year. It's a very, very expensive plan, and I'd like to know what, what the funding mechanism for this plan might be might look like and if we're going to be asked to raise taxes every year for the next four years to fund a plan that looks at upwards of thirty thousand dollars per pupil I, I take great issue with that because and my children are there again but I think that that we can stretch ourselves to do so much more um, than than we are and this big grab for money um, and these huge salaries and this non-competitive um, environment that um, that is being um, pushed forward is um, concerning. Okay, so I just want to make sure I'm understanding. You're wanting at some point to have uh, absolute clarity relative to uh, the sustainability into the future of this uh, the Dream RPS right. plan, not in this moment. It's what I believe was referred yes. to. Um, it's a question I asked of Mr. Cameras when he was up before that he referred to as the boogeyman. Uh, but which phone? My phone? Oh. The phone from there? Okay. Yes, but, but obviously we're not. Obviously, it's not a boogeyman question. It's a whether or not we are going to be looked to year yes. after year. Can you hear me now? Yeah, you're on the mic now. Okay. Everyone, okay. Can, everyone can hear you. Okay. All right. Okay. Okay, if you will complete, so that you're wanting. I still no. mm -hmm. ask that question. I want to know what, what the expectation of our taxpayers um, is on the part of the administration, the school administration. What are they expecting us to go back and um, fund year after year with this plan? Thank you. And we're not asking for that in this moment relative to this text amendment, but do you do want to have that information come back to us? And so if our staff can, uh, who's recording the items that are coming from council members for follow-up? We have at least one legislative item before I left relative to tax delinquent properties, and then we have this item relative to schools, and we can follow up with the superintendent for that. So, Councilwoman Robertson, welcome. We are looking at text amendment to do with Dream for RPS. Um, any uh, comments uh, and uh, after your comment we would be looking to go forward with consensus okay um, good morning everyone um, 
Dr. Newbill, I am having an extreme hard time understanding anything that is being said. Um, the only one that's coming through reasonably clear is yourself. Um, so I would like to ask that the... Um, so I haven't—I I didn't have the benefit of the conversation so far, and the CIP amendments that you this morning. I have—I have not received that. Uh, so if I can get that, that would help me to be at least follow the docket. You do not have, let me be clear, you don't have the text amendments uh, document. That's item um, one through five, general fund ordinance and ordinances and amendments. Is that correct? I, no, I did not. Um, what I, the only amendments, uh, the proposed uh, uh, recommendation from staff that I have uh, the ones regarding the general fund for um, vacancy positions. I do not have the uh, CIP or any other text amendment okay. that I may be able to locate anyway. Okay, so what I'll do is ask staff to send that to you. We can hold on this item. We were just uh, getting underway with text amendments while we got you connected. I think we've pretty much discussed it, and so once you have it and have an opportunity to look at it, we will take, um, we'll take consensus. We have uh, gone through the uh, revenue, uh, general fund revenue uh, reductions and increases, and um, I think the most notable is the $3 million for delinquent real estate revenue, um, suspending the uh, development agreements. We are ready to go to CIP. Do you have that document, Councilwoman Robertson? Is that a question to me? Yes. Do you have the CIP uh, document? I do not have CIP or any text amendments. If there are text amendments that you are entertaining this morning. Okay. So, um, staff, if we could get that to Councilwoman Robertson, the CIP as well as the text amendments. And so, okay, they were just emailed to you, Councilwoman Robertson. Thank you. Okay. I'm sorry, Madam President. Yes. Because I understood the, and I, welcome Ms. Robertson's participation uh, in everything, but I thought the resolution uh, upon which we voted for her participation was just relative to the CIP budget. I don't want to preclude that. If somebody wants to make another motion to expand it, perfectly happy with that. But I, I think just don't we want to did bog reference, us down. Yeah, we did reference CIP, but... Um, I, I, I don't recall it said anything about text amendments. Somebody wants to do that, that's fine, but I don't want to hold us up on the text amendments. Well, uh, let me just uh, say what it speaks to is participation in the budget work session by phone. Um, it doesn't... Ah, okay. 
I, reference any. Okay, okay, I thought I heard you say no, that she I'm, wanted to participate on. No, CIP I knew that only. she especially okay. wanted to join all us right. for that section, but she's not precluded okay. from participating in all of it. Thank you for that okay. clarification. Okay, so um, we'll get underway with uh, CIP once Councilwoman Robertson will come back to text amendments. That was, we have many of them at this point, so. Yes. You want to do the other text amendments? No, we only stopped there because we were waiting and went to text amendments while we waited to get it connected. Where people were when I came in was with CIP. uh, The present time, I think that there's some um, there's some items that are highlighted in yellow. Are they the ones that we are entertaining, or okay? Well, if if I can answer, yes, if you would, Bill, this will be beneficial for everyone. The ones that are highlighted in yellow are the ones that uh, staff were trying to hold harmless. We did not even look at these beyond to say we will not cut them in our proposal to council. So those are school maintenance, which was $19 million. We did not look at that one for reductions. And then on the second page, beginning on line 76, sidewalk projects. We did not include those in the reductions. Uh, Transportation projects, those are not included. And the vehicle replacement, the 5.2 million, that is not included. Um, By and large, the attempt was made to only reduce or propose to reduce those things for which there was no planned expenditure in FY20 when you left here last year. So these are projects that are, are new and council had not seen before this year. Okay, thank you. Ms. Gray? So I'm confused, are we on CIP or are we on text amendments? Okay, so I was only going to a text amendment item so we weren't wasting time um, while we tried to get Ms. Robertson connected. She had neither the so text we're on amendment CIP. or the CIP. So since she had neither. Well, so we put a pin in my question, which brings me back to my question of the seven million that is being shown as an expenditure on the capital side for rental of trailers. And it was my understanding that that was not an allowable charge, but maybe something has changed. I don't know. Um, I know that there's, what is it, 20 years or more? So maybe the expectation is that they'll be there that long. I hope not, but um, I'm Wanting some clarity, if they've charged seven and a half million against capital for trailer rental, I'd like to know what the plan is and whether or not that's saying that these are more permanent than anticipated. And um, if not, is that money that is available in capital expenditures now? Ms. Gray, could you assist us because we're not seeing that in this document? Ms. Larson, you emailed that to everyone, didn't you? It's from the current fiscal year that they were showing um, capital expenditures, and there was about five and a half million spent on maintenance and operations, but then there was another 7.5 roughly um, on trailer rentals. And I think you emailed that to everyone. Um, I 
don't remember, but it was during the discussion where we were trying to find out the details of and how much is money. Yeah. So I'll, I'll dig it up. It's in my email. And how much it. have been spent to date? Because, again, we come back to capacity. This is what I spoke about last budget session and whether or not $19 million in one year serves anyone if we, if we pushed it out over several years whether or not the capacity is there to spend this money. There was $14 million, and from what I've seen, only 5 to $6 million have legitimately um, been charged against that. So I just want to know, is the 7 allowable? And um, if okay. so, why? And if not, does that free up more capital money than originally presumed for schools. Okay, so I am looking, Mr. Cameras, in your direction. You may or may not. Our administration have response there. Good morning again. Um, Lenore Reed, DCAO Finance and Administration. Um, yes, there is. I appreciate the question because when it came up that schools were leasing um, trailers and facilities, absolutely those costs are usually not a capital cost because that lease, unless that lease actually, um, there's four criteria to look at a capital lease. And that criteria would be ownership either would transfer at the end of the lease agreement or there's a written bargain option to purchase or there's 75% of the useful life for the trailer, or 90% of the fair value of the minimum lease payments. So those criteria usually would cap classified as a capital lease. I went, with, I went to the previous superintendent when he came before council and said that that's how he's going to spend his capital dollars. I followed up with um, schools administration, and they said for some of those facilities, they actually had to put a foundation on them, and I told them if that was the case, then it could qualify as a capital lease. If not, historically, they would come from our operating dollars. Subsequent to that time, GASB has changed, I believe it's GASB 87, has changed its criteria for reporting um, leases, uh, and they have one streamlined approach. Um, we could look at that again and see if we could move some of those dollars from the capital to um, the operating budget for schools. Ms. Gray, an additional question there. So the trailers that have a permanent foundation, and of those, I don't believe any of them at um, the 24 that were placed at Broad Rock, I don't believe any of those. Those were temporary fixes for overcrowding until rezoning took place. Um, there were, and there's a cafeteria that was added, an eating area and other things, but which ones have a permanent foundation? Because I don't recall us putting in any foundation, no tongue and axles removed or anything from these modulars or um, trailers. So with what you're saying, it would not meet the criteria if it's less than 20 years or, or whatever the term of the lease and it's not permanently affixed, correct? That's, that's correct. Um, but which ones have a permanent structure that I'm not sure of. That was all the information I received from the administration. I've not had the opportunity to discuss that with uh, Mr. Cameras and, and their 
uh, current spending for so, those trailers. So have we gotten a request for reimbursement for those expenses on the capital side of the budget? I would have to check and then get back with you. Okay. Because that I'm, I can't speak to 100%. So if we could have that, uh, Ms. Reed and okay. Mr. Cameras, if we can get that information back, and then we would just hold in this item. Okay. Dr. Newbell. I'm sorry, Ms. Larson. Um, so I went through my emails, and what I had was a breakdown of maintenance expenses, but it was from last fall. So I don't know if we've received a breakdown of what is included in the projected uh, school capital maintenance fund, um, which I believe schools asked for $19 million. Do we have a breakdown of those projects somewhere in our documents? Or is it, or the, are the details in the capital, in the capital book? Mr. Cameras is coming forward with that. Thank you, Madam President. Uh, Councilmember Larson, yes, they are uh, detailed. I know in the RPS budget, I'm not certain if they are in the council's budget document, but I'm more than happy to make those available to council staff, and I'm sure they could be Xeroxed uh, this morning for, for council to see. I also did just want to note that some of the funds from fiscal year 19 will be expended at the um, this summer when kids aren't actually in the building. So just because there is some balance there, um, I don't want council or the public to perceive that as a lack of effort on our part to spend them. There are certain things we can only do when kids aren't actually in the buildings. So can we get all of this information back that, you know, the schedule so we can really take a look at this? Ms. Reed, do you have something additional that provides... And then I'll come to you, Ms. Gray. Yes, Madam President. Um, just received a report from our debt and investment manager, Mr. Duval, who tracks the reimbursement and spending for this account and has provided the information that we have not reimbursed schools this fiscal year for any uh, lease of modular uh, rentals. Okay. Ms. Gray. So um, that leads me to our FY20 begins July 1. Kids are out June 15th, and then teachers are there for a few more days. And we gave up a week, or the school administration decided to give everyone the week of spring break off, um, which was a week that typically we get a lot of these capital projects completed. So that leaves two weeks left in FY19. Um, are we to believe that we can spend millions and millions of dollars in two weeks? My understanding is most of those funds have been encumbered through RFPs and whatnot, but the work will occur over the course of the summer. So um, it's and, far beyond those two weeks. And I understand that the course of the summer, but the, the fiscal year ends June 30th, so that is only a couple of weeks Again, my understanding So it should is, be showing an FY20 as an expenditure if it's not going to be spent by the end of this. But, Ms. Gray and Mr. Brown, maybe you're going to talk about capital expenditures and when they it's expire. It's when it's actually, Okay. Jay Brown, Director of Budget and Strategic Planning. Um, capital funds are multi-year funds, and they do not lapse, so they will still be available. 
I, I completely understand that. But what I'm looking at is year mm -hmm. over year what the capacity is and how much is being spent, what the, what the trend is. So to say that we're spending more over the summer, I'd like to see, as Ms. Larson has asked for, what the FY20 encumbrances look like and what FY19 will end up being. Okay, thank you. So with that, I'd like to um, systematically work through the CIP list starting at the beginning. And um, Bill will start walking through on the items before us. And so we'll start at line two. turned my mic off. <laughs> um, we really are starting at uh, line five, DPW facilities keyway system upgrade uh, $100,000, and uh, we are proposing to remove the funding for that. Um, and the concept here is that it could be deferred for one year. You could come back next year and deal with this. Um, I'm at. Excuse me. I'm I'm on the wrong I'm on the wrong capital spreadsheet. There are several capital spreadsheets. I'm sorry. Um, I've got to get that one open for you. Um, line two is. So, sorry. Before you start, can I get a sheet of paper to let me know where we are? I apologize. Okay. So. We make sure that everyone has a copy of the FY20 projects with general fund cash, GOB funding only. Okay. Madam, Madam Chair. Ms. Robertson. Madam Chair. Yes. Uh, Dr. Newbill, uh, just to make sure I'm, I'm following you all. Are we looking at City Hall? That's the document we have before us. Well, Almost. We, I'm sorry. Yes. We're just getting it up on the screen, Councilwoman Robertson. Okay, so which item are we discussing? Is it DPW facilities or... So the first item where there is, we're starting at, um, let me just make sure which document we're starting with because I don't have what you have up here. So the if you could hold one second, is this the document we sent to Ms. Robertson? Okay. So if you would start at the first, yes, with City Hall facilities uh, at the top, if you could start there. Starting at the top, um, the 730 building, there was no proposed reduction. 
City Hall, which was identified in the budget as room 110, but was clarified during the course of the discussions as being, I believe it was rooms 101 and 103. Um, we're proposing that that be deferred until um, later, and so the entire 802,000 is proposed to be taken out. Um, the Hopkins Road transfer station repairs, that was not included in the FY20 planned budget either, so the proposal is to remove that. Moving on down, community center enhancement, there was no funding for that proposed in the plan. Before we go, let, let's <laughs> try to close out some sections. Okay, I was just okay. going to go over them all. But. Um, so in that first section to do with city facilities, um, any comments, administrative-wise? Madam President. Mr. Jones. Just, just a quick question. So, and, and so these proposed cuts are from staff or from certain individuals on council? These are what staff went back to the drawing board after we had our meeting and said we need to okay. get to a balanced budget. I'm not aware of these being any specific uh, councilmatic requests. Okay. Um, Ms. Re Reed, did you have? Uh... Thank you, Madam President. Um, we'd like to speak briefly to the proposed cuts. I would say it's probably the lesser of the two evils. Um, so if it came down to removing it from um, making those reductions from cash funding to CIP or from the general fund budget across the board, like I said, I think it's the lesser of the two evils. And so I would probably choose this. So thank you to the staff for that. One uh, additional thought I'd like to say, if you're looking to uh, find what to do with the 800000 that's uh, remaining as a surplus now, I said we could reduce the cuts um, by that 800000 I think that's a win-win, and so it would be less of a cut either through the re uh, vacancy funding or the reduction to uh, cash funding for CIP. There are some projects in the CIP that I know my colleagues would speak to that they are critical. They may not have been in the last year's budget proposal, but they are new projects. They're, they're critical to um, the city's uh, foundation, especially when I look to major building renovations and the city hall room, I think it's room 101 and 103. Um, those rooms do need renovating. We'll look to see where we can find dollars. And if council is willing to work with the administration, we'll come back to you during the uh, budget fiscal year uh, and request additional funding where it's available. Okay. Ms. Gray. Is it true that room 110 was renovated in 2010 and it's being renovated again nine years later? I'm sorry, I don't know the answer to that, so I would ask one of my colleagues to address it. We don't know the answer. Yeah. Before I got here. Good afternoon. Bobby Vincent, Director of Public Works. I don't know the answer to that, but I can't get you the answer to that. Okay. I see others. So, Mr. Vincent, you'll come back relative to this particular item. Uh, with regards to room 110 being renovated some years ago and now being renovated once again? 
That's the, that was the question, correct? Ms. Gray, is that I was correct? told it was renovated in 2010, and I was okay. told that by a former city council person. Okay. Not anybody who occupied the second district seat, so I'm not pointing any fingers at anybody. Um, um, but I was told that it was renovated in 2010, and they were asking me why it's being done again. Okay, we can get you the um, specs and the details of what was done um, then for that. Um, I came before you once again, Bobby Benson, Director of Public Works. I uh, wanted to speak with you all briefly uh, with regards to the Hopkins Road Transfer Station as well as major building renovations. Um, Hopkins Road Transfer Station, that's where we um, take all of our um, household collections. Um, the tipping floor there, uh, we're currently in the process of trying to work on that, but that entire facility is in need. That is the expenditures there that we're looking at cutting. So just once again, letting council know what those dollars are there for. Um, major building renovations, um, this concerns me uh, quite a bit due to the fact that uh, we do have some court issues with regards to John Marshall Courts um, that has some work that needs to be done. And we were looking at as many line items as possible because it's quite a bit. We do have John Marshall Courts Building, Juvenile Detention Center, Manchester Courts Building, and Oliver Hill Courts Building as separate line items further down. Those costs are for um, specified projects within those buildings. Um, anytime anything goes wrong within one of our buildings in the city of Richmond, which we have approximately 80 of them, um, those funds come from major building renovations. So I just wanted to let council know uh, what that potential impact would in fact be. At Hopkins Road Transfer Facility, the potential impact would be that uh, worst case scenario, the city would have to drive its waste um, elsewhere and not to Hopkins Road, which would incur additional costs on additional line items um, within the general fund. Mr. Vincent, let me just be clear in terms of what you said. The, we see down below at item 46, 47, 48, um, projects specific to John Marshall Juvenile Detention in Manchester, and you're saying that that would not, uh, um, could you clarify? Yes, ma'am. Those saying? funds would not come close to being able to take care of some of the issues so that we are, are currently looking projects? at. Yeah, that we're currently not able to afford to do with okay. those funds. So those funds would be coming from major building renovations. Okay. Ms. Trammell, I think I saw your hand. Yes. And um, then uh, Councilman Hilbert. I'm sorry. No, I was saying you and then Councilman Hilbert. Madam President, I know earlier we were talking about waste and things like that. I got a, um, a text a little while ago about some steel chainsaws being thrown away on Lee Street from the fire department and no telling how much they cost per chainsaw and they said that they seen them in a dumpster over there off of Lee Street and they were wondering why were there all these chainsaws thrown in there. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, morning Council President, would, members yeah. of Council. Um, Councilwoman Chairman, I can't speak to discarded chainsaws. I know that our distribution center, our warehouse distribution center, is on Lee Street. So I assure you, if they're being thrown away, that's because they're probably unserviceable. Um, so that's, that's the best I can speak to that right now. I have high confidence that we're not just arbitrarily throwing away usable chainsaws. 
So they came from your department then, from the fire department? I can't speak to it because I have no idea as it relates to the text message you just received. But the chainsaws from the fire department are used for what? Um, for mission-critical services. I need to know. I'm sorry, what? Mission-critical response services. And how often do we get that? How often do we get them? Or, or, or I mean, how many times have you used a chainsaw? On every house fire. Every house fire. Every house fire, every weather event where we cut trees. It's a critical tool that we use in fire service. But they do break, and we do have to discard them, just like fire hose and any other piece of equipment that we use has a serviceable life cycle. Chief, can you let me know how many you have and when was the last time you bought them? Can you yes, get we can that do the research. Me? Yes, ma'am. Okay, and, and I'm not picking on you. I just, I mean, you come up there, and, and that's why I said you, because I'm getting some things from the police department, too, that somebody's just given me a lot of information on. Okay. Thank you. Thank yes, you, Chief. So I would like to speak to yes. uh, line 54, which speaks to replacement of fire stations 5, 6, 12, and 21. And I will say historically, uh, these stations have a really high emergency maintenance cost. And so over the years, uh, during my tenure throughout the department, we have sought to replace these fire stations. Over the years, the funding has been appropriated, proposed, but never actually adopted. And so the funding gets reduced. Um, and these are facilities that our people live in 24 hours a day. So it's not a eight to five building. It's not a temporary use building. Uh, these buildings, in some cases, were built in 1908, 111 years old. And so the problems associated with these buildings are problems that I don't think any of you as a homeowner would want to have to live in, let alone your treasure, your greatest resources, our firefighters, that have to live in these buildings. And so I would greatly ask you that you reconsider the $1 million cut that is proposed in this budget session to these stations. Again, Fire Station Sixty Fire Station 5 was built in 1966. It's 53 years old. It is the busiest or the second busiest fire station in the state. It's a 24-hour enterprise. It used to house two fire companies. Now it houses one. And in the future, we would like to add an additional fire company to that station. So, I mean, like I said, these stations aren't just a temporary use building, and men and women live in them. I've answered questions from the council before about cancer initiatives and other initiatives that speak, initiatives that speak to our firefighters' health and safety. And if we don't address it long-term, a long-term systemic approach to replacing our facilities, we will continue to secure this event of emergency replacement and repairs, and I'll continue to answer questions before this council about what about this and what about that versus having a, a long-term strategic application of replacing our facilities. Thank yes, you. I believe Mr. Hilbert and then Ms. Larson. Hmm? Yes, my question I think was to Mr. Vincent regarding the major building renovations. I guess what I'm not understanding is, and what I, what I heard was that this was for John Marshall, uh, Manchester, and I think you said the juvenile detention center. Were there other items that would be included in this uh, in this uh, two million five? Yes, sir. What it is is that major building renovations that those funds are used citywide for buildings that we have citywide. So we have approximately eighty facilities. Anytime that a piece of equipment fails, anytime we have a major issue with regards to plumbing, anything that we can wind up capitalizing with regards to one of those 80 facilities that go wrong during the course of the year, we tend to utilize that particular line item. 
Now, right now, what we are in the process of doing is we've had some issues with regards to, I mean, it's been on the news, so it's no um, surprise to anyone about with regards to security concerns with John Marshall Court's building. We've had that assessment done, and we're looking at major building renovations to help with some of that work. The HVAC system within the John Marshall Courts building is also um, extremely old and antiquated. So we're in the process of utilizing some of the funds that we have identified as individual um, line items within the budget for the John Marshall Courts building and or the Oliver Hill Courts building for those types of projects that we've identified throughout the course of the year. Major building renovations will help to subsidize those additional funds that we are looking to incur for security enhancements for the John Marshall Courts building. Thank you very much. Thank you. And Madam President, uh, relative to uh, the fire chief here, we've got replacement replacement fire station, so I'm assuming that we're, we're like building for replacement fire stations for a million dollars. Is it a misnomer there? Is that rehab? That number starts the, the strategic process of replacing much-needed facilities in our community, our fire station facilities. Um, a fire station can cost anywhere from $7 million to a Taj Mahal. You pick it. But we believe that this is a, uh, a reasonable first start of strategically replacing stations that are well beyond their life cycle. And they're going to cost the council and the citizens of Richmond more in emergency maintenance over the course of deferring replacement than they will to just begin to strategically lay out the funding to replace it. Okay, so the million dollars is for architectural plans, acquisition of land? Yes, sir. Okay, and the... Uh, but the fire station number nine, th that million dollars is for? That fire station number nine is a proposed uh, additional fire station and fire state and headquarters. Right now, we just signed a five-year lease for our new headquarters. Uh, the city of Richmond, our city of Richmond, does not have a downtown core fire station. We've lost four downtown core fire stations since 1969. So it is... Adversely effective response times. As we look at the growth of our city, our call volume will, is and inevitably will continue to increase, but yet we aren't, we aren't, as I used the word before, strategically addressing additional resources to support the, the increased call volume and the anticipated increased call volume. So, I mean, that's, as your fire chief, that's my role, to strategically anticipate these needs, the needs that should have been addressed, and to begin to lay out a plan to support those things. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank, Thank you, Madam you. President. Thank you, Ms. Larson. Um, Dr. Newbill, could you just give me some guidance? I thought we were going through the first couple items, and now we're talking about something under line, so, uh, something a lot further down. So you're absolutely, so you're what absolutely is, what is correct. Our, what we is started our, out working through... I start, that first section, but as individuals came up, they spoke to items in other sections as well. So I will go back up and we will systematically come down this list, which is what we're, we're attempting to do. Okay. Yeah. So okay. are we going to go through each one line by line and get consensus or? Yes. Okay. Yes. And so uh, we've heard comment relative to City Hall Room 110. We've heard comment relative to Hopkins Road Transfer Station repairs and major building renovations. Are we prepared to 
move forward relative to consensing? Mr. Angelesto, were you about right. to? That was going to be my question is at what point are we gaining consensus? Are we being asked to vote on this as a block or are we being asked to vote on them based on subsections or on individual line items? Uh, what I was proposing is that we would systematically go through subsections and get feedback and then get a consensus there and then move through. Okay. Um, I guess there are not that many subsections. Understood. Um, as it pertains to the Hopkins Road Transfer Station, uh, this is of significant concern. Uh, basically, it is the, the flooring, the subflooring that I'm understanding that gets scraped. You know, the daily trash gets deposited there, and then it comes and, and it is hauled away. Uh, and my understanding is that that's an efficiency to have these transfer stations. Um, I have heard from uh, potential vendors that uh, if we don't fix the flooring of this uh, transfer station where it gets scraped, where it's having significant degradation, um, that we may lose contracts for people to actually come and haul away the trash from that location because they don't want to be seen as further damaging it and creating potentially an environmental hazard. And as Mr. Vincent said, that means that we potentially would have our refuse trucks going from people's homes to the permanent landfill. That would come at a substantial cost. Uh, and I would not strip this. Uh, I do think it is of some emergency need. Any other comments? Mr. Elbert. Yes, I'd love to take these as a block. <laughs> Believe me, for time's sake, but uh, I'd have to agree with Mr. Agilasto on this one. Uh, the the uh, I have heartburn with the major building renovations as well of uh, basically reducing the increase uh, to fifty thousand dollars. So um, uh, I'm okay with the city hall room one ten. So I guess my bottom line is, could we take them one at a time? Um, Mr. Hilbert, that's what we're doing. Yes, yes. Uh, what, okay, so I'm not being clear enough. Within okay. the block of City Hall, we have three items. The intent was to have discussion on okay. each of those items and then to get consensus, but we are... Wonderful. Okay, so we let me just do block. that. Let, okay. let me press forward with that, uh -huh. so maybe I'm not... So item number three, City Hall, room 110, the proposed amendment, $802,846. Do we have any consensus relative to that item? Thank you. The next item is Hopkins Road uh, transfer station repairs. Do we have consensus relative to that item? And I'll, uh, can you clarify Ms. Robertson, the are you still, let me, one second. Ms. Robertson, are you still with us? I am. I am having extreme difficulty being able to hear the conversation. Um, and I'm, I don't know that it's of any value added for me to stay online because I really can't understand a lot of what is being said. But what I'm understanding from, the first category is that the work that needs to be done in room 110. That's correct. Critical. 
Mm-hmm. And so I would not support any cuts that would hamper the continuation of the renovation there. Okay. So we did not receive a consensus to move forward with that item. And so your Madam uh, President, comments. I think the, the question when you say when do we have consensus, the consensus is to take action and the That's action correct. is to cut or That's to leave That's correct. The unharmed. only proposal on that item is an amendment for a reduction of 802846 okay. That's what I'm looking to see if there is consensus to take that reduction. Take the money. Okay. That's correct. Thank you. Yeah, that's Just trying it. to gain some clarification on okay. what you're asking consensus on. So, okay. so uh, the consensus will be in the proposed amendment category. Okay. And so the next item again would be um, the Hopkins Road Transfer Station Repairs. Um, and I was asking about a consensus there. Do we have consensus relative to that item? And that is a reduction of $640,000. Councilwoman Robertson, any comment there? I'm here, but I'm not sure. Are you asking me a question? Okay, so... Yes, I was asking whether or not you were amenable to the proposed reduction to the Hopkins Road transfer station uh, for repairs. The proposed reduction is $640,000. And I was simply... I'm sorry, Dr. Nubilov. Um, I'm hearing you say something about Hopkins... Yes, uh, this is Hopkins Road Transfer Station Repairs. There's a proposed reduction of 640000 Can someone explain? Are you amenable to that reduction or no? That six hundred and forty thousand is not showing up on the spreadsheet that I'm looking at. It only shows the total amount for city facilities at about eight hundred and forty thousand dollars. Am I supposed to be looking at something else? Okay. All right. Let, let, I'm not sure which document you have, but this one has <laughs> it's item number six, line six. Hopkins Road transfer station repairs. The proposed amendment is a reduction of $640,000, which would not leave anything in that category. I'm looking at it now. Okay, while you're reviewing, uh, Ms. Robertson, Ms. Gray, and then Ms. Trammell. So is there a way, and we didn't look at the out years and what we might fund in the capital budget for next year or the following, but is there a way, if this looks like all or nothing, is there a way to reduce that and span it over? So you want to look at the out years as opposed to 20, simply 2020? 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, if there are immediate things that they need, maybe right. we fund it at half the amount and then come back the following year and find funding to complete that? Or if, if I could try to clarify on that, the spreadsheet you're going over is trying to substitute debt for cash so that you have cash for the operating budget. Right. When the decision was made to reduce the proposed real estate tax increase, that had a knock-on effect on the capital budget. Um, with the changes that were made this morning, that knock-on effect now is, is uh a bit more than $15 million that has to come out of the capital budget. The proposal from your staff has been that you look in FY23 and 24 to recover or to cover that reduction in the capital budget of between 15 and $16 million. That's a separate issue from this. I can tell you in going through FY23 and 24, to try to accomplish that, the, the revision downward because of the change in the general fund revenues, you begin to run into some problems in that most of the money in the out years is either for um, school construction, which is $200 million, or it's for school maintenance, or it's for transportation projects that have a component provided by the federal and the, or the state government and we tried not to cut those because sometimes if VDOT is looking at their, their six-year plan and they see you took out the money that would be your share of the project, they'll take that project and give it to somebody else. They'll give that money to somebody else. So we tried to keep our hands off of those. So what it boils down to is this. It becomes very difficult to make further changes in FY23 and 24. I hope that helps. Okay. Ms. Robertson. Yes. So, Dr. Newbill, if you would summarize for me in regards to the Hopkins um, piece that you're asking me about on what the what was the negative impact of us uh, reducing that budget. Uh, yes, Mr. Vincent spoke to that uh, before, but let me, Mr. Vincent, if you would. I can't hear the people at the podium, but if you speak directly in the mic, uh, I can hear you. Okay. Okay. Um, it, okay. Uh, we we need to figure out the technology is not working well for us in this moment. So I'm understanding that we can do something to enhance this, Miss Robertson. So what I'm going to do, Miss Trammell, I'm going to last question. It's almost 12. We'll take a break and we'll reconvene and we work out the technology. We must get through the CIP today. And we have an afternoon session. And so if people would really please um, review any questions that you have, if we're ready to go, Miss um, Reed and uh, staff are here so we can go through this um, by the end of the next session. So 
Mr. Vincent, if you would speak directly into the mic so Ms. Robertson can get an update of the impact of the Hopkins Road Transfer Station repairs proposed reduction of $640,000. And then after that, uh, we will uh, recess until our afternoon session at 1. Uh, good morning again. Lenora. Would you just check, let's check to make sure she's here, hearing you. Is she? Okay. With that, uh, we'll just take, and I'll take the time in between to follow up with her. So if you would stay around, Mr. Vincent, just in case, uh, so she can get clarification. So, um, council members, we are close to noon. We're scheduled to end at noon for this session. Again, uh, we must get through the CIP. We will reconvene at 1. And if we have any additional questions, if we come prepared with those so that we can move forward. With that, we are recessed until our 1 o'clock session. Thank you.